Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. All right, we are going to start this episode on a very sad and serious note. Not going to do the high energetic intro that I usually do because it is worth mentioning about the developing situation as we're recording this. So when you listen to this, it'll have been last night, but what's going on at, at Michigan State? And I'm going to read a few tweets from Philip Philip Lewis, who is a front page editor for Huffington Post and also a Detroit native, but he's the senior front page editor for the Huffington Post. And he first tweeted out a screenshot from Michigan State University. Uh, this was an email, I think, that just went out to all students. It stated, MSU police report shots fired incident occurring on or near the East Lansing campus. Secure in place immediately. This is the most striking part, Taylor, of this email. Run, hide, fight. Run means evacuate away from danger if you can do so safely. Hide means to secure in place. And fight means protect yourself if no other option. Uh, He's also shared some videos then at about... 8.45 8.45 East, uh, Central Standard Time, there was a tweet from MSU Police and Public Safety saying there is another reported shooting at IM East. Police are responding. There are multiple reported injuries. Media staging area is currently being determined. And then at around that same time, 8.45 p.m. Central Standard, Philip Lewis tweeted, Michigan State University Police say multiple people reported injured in shootings. Just an awful, awful scene unfolding and i know a lot of folks are probably listening to the police scanner i would i would urge you to not take that as gospel but rather find some more some more legitimate outlets um but just another tragedy and i think it was worth bringing up i suspended the theater tweets because we're a college basketball podcast this is obviously happening happening on a university and a college but again, just remarkably sad, speechless, and in an effort to not become numb to this, if I'm speaking truthfully, I feel like I'm becoming numb to this. Taylor, any thoughts on what you've seen? Yeah, I mean, I'll just uh, respond to exactly what you just said, you know, because we were previously talking about this uh, before we started the show. Like, hey, should we keep doing the theater tweets tonight? Obviously, you know, maybe nothing, no, no gifts or gifs that we usually uh, tweet out. That's for sure. Um, and yeah, you know, all the other sports or a lot of the other sports accounts that we all follow, um, you know, are continuing to tweet out and it's kind of a, it, it's kind of a tough middle ground, right? Yeah. You don't want to become numb to this. You, but we are a college basketball podcast. This is unique uh, for us a little bit because not only is it uh you know, college basketball related or college related, but it's one of the premier college basketball schools in the country. I'm not trying to say it's more or less important because it is at that or another, but um, yeah, it's definitely, um, you know, not ideal that we have, uh, we have to watch uh, the news like on a monthly basis about this in some way, shape or form. Um, Yeah. uh, Unfortunate. You know, I I know that the police just said, uh, please do not come to campus tomorrow. So today, uh, it probably goes without saying that pretty much everything at Michigan State's campus, basketball included, uh, is probably likely canceled uh, for the foreseeable future, at least this week uh, for now. 
So yeah, I mean, where you where you go from here as a campus, I I don't know. Where you go from here as a as a country, I, I you know, I guess it's just the same thing we continue to say is I I, I don't know. But what what do we do from here? Someone's got to have some answers. I wish it was us because then we could solve those problems. So yeah, it's a very unfortunate situation. Obviously, hoping the best and that um, that that this person gets found and. Um, and that there aren't any more issues on campus and obviously thinking those who are, uh, who have been involved in this thus far. Yeah. Very well said, Taylor. I think the main thing we want to emanate from this podcast and from us is all of our thoughts and prayers, which is, I suppose, really the only thing I know it, it, it's not enough, but we are thinking about the Spartan community right now and fingers crossed praying that there's no casualties and of the injuries that have been sustained hopefully that they aren't life-threatening um there is just there is there's already impact. there is a casualties fatality yeah 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 sorry not terrible Gosh. there is so far no. a, a confirmed fatality so yeah just uh one so far i hope that's what i'm saying hopefully we can just uh i mean i don't know you can't say hopefully that's not the way to put it but you know i but you know I, in the best case scenario at this point we hope it's not any more than what it is yeah, absolutely brutal. So we are thinking of the Michigan State community right now uh, from from here at Theater and College Hoops. It's really and, and and you nailed it, Taylor. We don't have the wherewithal. We are not the proper point of contacts for this type of change because we're just two idiots. Like you said, that tweet Farmer Fran gifts rubbing his nipples and tweeting theater. And this is way above our heads in terms of severity and seriousness. So I'm, I'm hoping someone who is the proper point of contact can figure out a solution, I suppose is the best way I could say that. Never easy pivoting. It's going to suck. This, this is going to be brutal to do. Uh, it's probably going to sound awkward, but uh, at this point, we do want to move forward and uh, take a recap of this past weekend in college hoops, touch base with Taylor on an eventful weekend there in Scottsdale. Uh, so let's go ahead and with the Spartan community in our mind, open the curtains. Welcome back. I know last week was a big one for you. You were running all over the place. Phoenix Open, Super Bowl. Tell me about it. I am getting way too old for these activities. I I don't know how 
I am even here just standing with you today, um, sitting with you today. Yeah, I uh, went to the Phoenix Open uh, four consecutive days, uh, Wednesday through Saturday, and then capped that off with, you know, only the largest probably collective drinking day of the year in the country with the Super Bowl, 20 feet from my house here as well. So um, as a realtor, I must say, there could have been no better commercial for Scottsdale slash Phoenix slash Arizona than this last week because it was 77 degrees the whole time. And the golf tournament was great. Um, the Super Bowl was great, aside from maybe the deciding part of the game. Um, but uh, yeah, it was a wonderful week out here, as it always is for the Phoenix Open. Um, got to do a lot of cool things that I haven't been able to do before, uh, just through some good some good connections and some good fortune uh, with doing some kind of. Uh, different uh, different booths and suites around the property that I hadn't really been to before. So, um, yeah, it's just uh, people doing people things out here, you know, I guess, uh, in the words of, of Subi. So, yeah. Hey, Taylor, last Thursday on the episode, I, I told the theater goers that you weren't able to join because there was a possibility that you were rubbing elbows, shooting 18 holes with the likes of a Jerry Jones or an Arthur Blank or any NFL owners. Uh were you able to do that? I think you would let me know. You even saw the head honcho himself, Mr. Goodell. So I, I guess I don't want to name drop, but I, I did sit at a bar with Roger Goodell uh, after a round of golf. Uh, Why wouldn't you want to name drop that? That's awesome. Well, I don't want to name drop anyone else that I saw because I actually like those people, but uh, Roger Goodell, who gives a shit, you know? So, um, yeah. It, well, it's just crazy because it's like Steve – I didn't golf or meet this, meet him, but Steve Young was like in the suite next, next to me at the Phoenix open. And you're just kind of walking around. One of our friends was in a booth at 16 with machine gun Kelly. And yeah, just like, it's, it's just weird, but, and cool. And all of these things in one, when the Super Bowl is here, you know, the ESPN set was in old town Scottsdale. So quite literally less than a mile from my house. Was uh, that, so that was, was cool. that Taylor, was there studio, where like Hula's is and everything. I was trying to uh, identify right, it. Rusty Spur. Rusty Spur. Okay. Okay. One yeah, of those. Right out. Okay. Yeah. So if you've been to Old Town Scottsdale, which a significant number of our listeners have uh, been to Old Town Scottsdale, it's right by the, yeah, the, uh, the Civic Center where you walk over to the giant spring training area, uh, right in front of the Rusty Spur, um, all of that. Uh, and that was already, that was cleaned up by 6 a.m. this morning. I drove past it to get coffee and there was, people were already, t this town, Sorry for, for me to rant about this, but this town is unbelievable in terms of major events. Half the uh, half the people already have their Super Bowl stuff down and spring training stuff up by like noon today. Like the Super Bowl was like eight hours ago and everyone already had their stuff ready for the next event, which already starts this week. You know, so it's just it's, it's crazy the turnover here and how quickly it gets done. Um, but, yeah, you know, went down to that one day or, or one night to. Um, Super Bowl experience downtown was really great as well. Um, yeah, it, it's really uh, when the Super Bowl is here in Phoenix, it really is an experience unlike any other city because you quite literally have the country's like, you know, one is the most attended sporting event in the country in the Phoenix Open with almost 900,000 people going during the week. And then the other is the country's biggest sporting event in general in the Super Bowl. And they're both going on at the same time. It's, it's quite the, quite the mashup of, uh, of celebrities, uh, bros 
A lot of bros, a lot of bros for that sure. That doesn't shock me. A lot of bros um, and just a lot of activity. Uh, so, yeah, it was a great week. Um, and, uh, yeah, I got to ex- uh, spend it with a lot of friends. A lot of family was out here. Yeah, have a couple, a lot of different experiences and tried to mix in some college basketball uh, <laughs> in between. So, yeah, don't worry. I was holding down the fort here. It was really nice here too. We're talking like 48 degrees, Taylor. So I uh, lifted my my ban on drinking. I finally had my first sip of alcohol since New Year's Day, but I was locked in to college basketball because I didn't have those amazing events to distract me. I wasn't able to go to the Phoenix Open, wasn't able to check out some Super Bowl festivities. But that being said, it, it did make me miss Phoenix and Scottsdale. If you know me, you know I lived there for about seven years, and it does have a special place in my heart. Looked amazing. Probably, I mean, that was the weekend of the year for the Valley. Phoenix, Scottsdale, Tempe, uh, shoot, even Glendale, which probably didn't get as many touristy uh, dollars because everyone just went straight there for the game and then, and people stay stayed in the surrounding areas. But I would also mention, and I'm glad you brought it up, another great event to go to in the Scottsdale area, Tempe, Phoenix, spring training. It's a blast. It is so much fun. You get to you get to see your team, your favorite teams. Hopefully, some of your favorite teams play in the Valley. Uh, I would I would definitely rather that than going to Florida, but it just never stops in in the Valley. World and Baseball Kevin Durant, Classic. holy shit! Yeah, Kevin Durant. Um, I saw a dude at 8 a.m. at the Phoenix Open the the morning that he got traded with a Kevin Durant Suns jersey on. It was nuts. What is he I'm, like, dude, I'm like, so apparently there was a rumor, a report, mm. insider information that he yeah. was, but he's buddies with one of the um, one of the equipment managers of the Suns, and he knew in advance. He got a text early and. Uh, said, Hey, you know, print the Jersey, you know, or whatever. So, um, yeah. And then, you know, going back to baseball, world baseball classic is here in Phoenix as well in March. Uh, as if we don't really have other, anything else going on, that's going on at the same time spring training is. So if you're a baseball fan, talk about like the ability to come here and just have probably the best week of your life, spring training and world baseball classic at the same time. So yeah, a lot, a lot going on. All this during March Madness. So I'm I'm gonna be but on April like fifth, I'm gonna be like on a stretcher, you know, like ready to I'm just gonna need to go I'm gonna have to go do Aaron Rodgers, go into Darkness. a dark a dark <laughs> cabin for four days and just kind of like evaluate my life and where it's going from here. Look, and I know you're a realtor and you're a damn good one at that, but I have to say not many folks are gonna be waiting in in airport lines to get to phoenix in like may june july but uh you know right now get out there i mean you're not going to find two bigger proponents of the city than than yes people are like well how do you deal with the summer it's like i need like three months of of hibernation to like just even have the energy to get through the year you know so yeah yeah. i hear you i'm doing my best i'm trying my hardest folks yeah I mean, you look good despite the tan line, but Taylor, let's go ahead, dive in now to the playbill. Let me see if I can catch you up on what you may have missed. Uh, I I know you're a very attentive cat, but I think we got to start with the number one team in the nation now, the Alabama Crimson Tide, the rich get richer. How perfect, how perfect in a two-loss football season where the entire fan base pours their heart and everything into football 
They don't make the the playoff. That's okay. Now you got a Final Four contender in basketball with Nate Oates. Nate Oates has done an amazing job. And Bama is so much fun. I want them to make the Final Four just because of the brand of basketball that they play. They jack threes. Brandon Miller is super excited. Exciting. I know we have our beef with Seth, Seth Greenberg, and he compared him to Kevin Durant. I take it a step back there, Seth. That's not only unfair to KD, but more importantly, Brandon Miller. But he's been amazing, and I actually want to pat myself on the back for identifying him. Uh, and I wasn't the only one, but early, this was before the Houston game, I was like, look, Brandon Miller is a stud, and he has been. Javon Quinterly, Mark Sears for Muscle, Muscle Shoals. They got the Swampland, baby, right? So I'm loving this Alabama team. They go into Auburn, enemy territory, hostile, one of the toughest places to play in the entire country, their rivals, and they get the job done. I think Bama is built different and cut from a different cloth. I think this is a team that will get to a Final Four. Like I, I genuinely don't see them getting upset in the early rounds. Now, maybe they lose in the Elite Eight, but this is certainly a deep second weekend team. I'm convinced of it, Taylor. Thoughts on on the Tide? Well, you didn't even bring out what they were potentially best at, and that's on the defensive side of the ball. They're actually phenomenal defense uh, as well, and they're just so deep. I mean, obviously you mentioned some of the big names, but you got like nine guys, 10 guys who average more than five points a game. Seven of them, I think six of them maybe averaging more than seven points a game. You know, so they get it from all over the place. And we saw that we saw that uh, this last weekend against Auburn. You know, Ryland Griffin comes out and leads the team in scoring. You know, they can get it from anywhere, like every night, you know. And what a matchup they have this week against Tennessee. That's going to be barn burner of a of a game one talk about a tournament level game that's going to be it right there Tennessee tough week uh this last week uh looking for a little bit of bounce back but the, the thing I like about Alabama too is that they I mean they're not just like winning games they're beating the shit out of teams after that loss to to Oklahoma um maybe Vanderbilt by 450 American points and then follow that up to uh, you know a week later and beat Florida by like 30. And I'm not saying we've talked about Vanderbilt on this program, but you know, Florida's Florida's okay. decent basketball team. Yeah. Right. And you know, you shouldn't be beating on, them by 30. Right. And then to go on the road uh, against your rival and kind of shut them down. I mean, they did win, but they did only win by eight. Uh, but I mean, they held them to like 30% shooting. Um, yeah. I just, you know, they can, they can really get it in any way that they want it because even even though Alabama shoots the ball generally really well, they beat they beat uh, Auburn shooting under thirty percent from the three point line and still beat their rival on the road. You, you know, so they can really get it from a lot of sources. Uh, they have a great lead man, like you said, in in Brandon Miller. There's really not a lot to dislike about this Alabama team, and and we've kind of like you said, you could kind of see this coming down the pipe all year. And, um, yeah, this is the first time they've been uh, ranked uh, number one since uh, – was it the early 90s? Is that what you 02. said coming into 02, this? Yeah, 02, 02, 02. Okay, yeah, excuse me. So, well, that shows how old we are because I was thinking, yeah, what, 15, 20 years, right? So, whoops. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. Um, yeah, they're, like you said, they're fun. I don't – unless you're an SEC team, you don't really dislike Alabama basketball 
Right. Oh, like, yeah. I don't think that, yeah, you know, I don't think anyone around the country is like, oh, man, I, we really don't like them. I think every, they're kind of be kind of a collective darling, I think, going into the tournament, which is not often the case for a team that's almost almost a lock, almost maybe not a lock, but almost assuredly a one seed. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I don't know if we'll see them fall below four uh, in these rankings, but they just don't have a weakness that I can tell right now. And so where is that game against Tennessee? Is that in Knoxville? Because Brandon Miller's from Tennessee and the Vols, man, they've lost to Florida, Vandy, and then who who else did they just lose to? Uh, Missouri. Uh, you, you would think and hope as a Vols fan, I want those three knowing that I got Bama looming. They're looking at, they, they could very well be, uh, having have accumulated four losses here in the last like week and a half. Where's that game well, at? It's at Thompson Bowling. So okay. that's going to be what an atmosphere that'll be. But you're uh, speaking of Tennessee, though, it, that could be four of the last five. You know, and if you look yeah. at <laughs> losses to losses to Vanderbilt, who Alabama, as we just said, beat by a trillion points Florida. two weeks ago. Yeah, Florida, and then you know Missouri at home. Um, and then put up 46 total points, you know, against Auburn. Not a great stretch for Tennessee, uh, but boy, talk about a way to turn the turn the uh, turn the year around. Not year around, but turn the uh, turn the last month around. Beat the number one team in the country, and that really shows you, I think, where we're at in college basketball right now. I think there's a I don't want to say clear, but this is the time of year. I mean, we've been talking about this. You talked about it a little bit last week, and then we talked about it the week before. Is, you know, obviously, we're a month, less than a month. We're 20, as when this podcast drops, is we're 25 days from Selection Sunday, which is wild. And if Tennessee can lose three of four and look like dog shit, and they're still in the top 10 right now, there's clear separations between, you know, who the uh, AP poll, who the coaches think is going to go far and do well in the tournament and who they don't. Tennessee's kind of that line right now because, yeah, you you lose three or four to the teams that they've lost to, but you're still a top 10 team in the country. That shows you more. I think that tells you more about the teams ranked behind you than it does about, you know, Tennessee or it, the teams ranked ahead of them. Yeah, and and my thoughts on Tennessee is that I've, I've seen enough over a long amount of period of time to still trust them to make some sort of run in March. Now, if that's a final four, I don't know, right? Winning four games is very difficult to do when you do have flashes of a stagnant offense, when you don't have a guy that can just get you a bucket. I don't know who that guy is. Is it Vescovy? Is it Ziegler? Is it JJJ? Um, who knows? So, well, but I have seen enough from them. It's kind of like UConn also. I still have seen enough from UConn, I think, to trust them maybe to be a sweet 16 type of team I wouldn't sell them same thing with Indiana and we're we're seeing Indiana actually grow and and be a dangerous team I'm also glad that I stuck stuck with them but uh, Bama is I mean it's obvious it's they're the number one team in the country for a reason you can say it's chalk but this is why I think it's a tired tired narrative when folks are like nobody's good everyone sucks Bama's really damn good Houston's really damn good Purdue is even still really damn good, although they're faltering a bit. I think those three teams are very, very good. Yeah, and I mean, you could you could say the same thing about having seen enough about a team like Arizona. Uh, you know, where you know you're going to have stinkers. That just happens. Shoot, even Texas, who as we speak, 
uh, is in a dogfight with 20 seconds left uh, at Texas Tech, the worst team in the conference, in the Big 12. You just lose on the road in college basketball, right? Like, the only concern I have is when you really is when you lose at home or get smoked yeah. on the road, you know? So, yeah, you lose a – you lose a road game to Texas. Well, te- Texas. Yeah, Texas. Oh, maybe hold on. My, well, no. Just, see, Texas. Texas though. Texas though has done. Uh, I think they're doing just fine. How many? How many losses would that be for them on the year? Six. That's yeah, that's six. okay. And in a yeah. Big Twelve, in the Big Twelve, man. And and yeah. their only other recent loss was an SEC game in in Tennessee. Um, but you're right. I mean, it, it's it's very difficult to win on the road. I don't know when everyone decided that. Each team has to be – we need to have six teams that have to be like 2015 Kentucky and just enter the tournament undefeated. Like wh- when was this the norm? Why does everyone suck when we have three and four lost teams? That That is the norm as a matter well, of fact. Well, today is actually – or the Monday after the Super Bowl is one of my least favorite days of the year for many reasons. One, it's that the country has a collective hangover, right? Football is over for today, year. man. Right. Oh my god! <laughs> Monday was the least hungover I was <laughs> of the last six days. If that gives you any indication. Oh my god! <laughs> but um, um, I almost sorry to inter- interrupt. Oh, I, I was on, on, go ahead. on Saturday, I woke up and I wasn't even going to go to the Phoenix Open. I woke up at like four in the morning, and I was like, I can't do it today. I can't do it today. And then the sun peaked over the horizon for literally like a quarter of a second. And I was like, ah, fuck it. I'll go, you know, like, it's just like, I'll, Can't waste I'll ride. I'll ride. But anyway, um, it's one of my least favorite days of the year. It's because everybody who's a quote unquote college basketball rider now actually decides to watch college basketball. And so now if you, if you want an example of that, go look at Andy Katz list. He just put out of his power rankings for the week, which is the most absurd list of, college basketball anything i've ever seen in my life that was good um, humor it, it was ridiculous yeah it was not eight, like april fool's days of two months from now dude relax so but it's the time of year where you, you now are like oh yeah D- duke's still pretty good this year aren't they yeah kentucky now nah, they're they're always hot they got talent and you're like can you just shut the hell up because just we know that you haven't been paying attention okay so don't masquerade like you as this college basketball writer that's been staying up past nine whole PM each night uh, to, to watch these things. And that becomes very apparent uh, the Monday after the Super Bowl always. And that's, it's one of my least favorite days of the year for our, from our perspective. It's also one of my favorite days of the year in the sense that like the sports world kind of starts to now focus in on, on our favorite sport, let's call it. But uh, yeah, you're, you're, you're totally right. It's like, no, not everybody sucks. There are some really good teams out here and no, you can't, there's a reason there's only been a handful of undefeated teams of all time, you know? Yeah. So I, kind of same thing, I, same thing with the NFL sometimes too, where it's like, Oh yeah. Were they an all time great team? They finished the year 14 and three. It's like, yeah, they, they, yeah. Because <laughs> people, teams lose games. It's okay. Yeah. Did you, we need to have the margin of victory be at like double digits every single game. It's, it's kind of crazy, but Alabama, man, they're looking terrific. And I already know, for a fact, there are going to be some folks that pop onto ESPN, their app, or even on their laptop, and they see Bama at number one, and they're going to be like, oh, "Sorry, I meant to go to the, ba- the NCAA basketball page, not the football page." You're in the don't adjust. You're in the right place. Alabama is the best team in the country right now. All right, Taylor. Another team that we want to cover, and I had mentioned as one of the elite teams, is Purdue. 
they falter in Evanston, lose to Northwestern. I was actually really looking forward to this game. It was going to be a great appetizer, a great primer for the Super Bowl, and it delivered. Awesome atmosphere in Evanston, and the the students really showed up. I think they had a great court rush. And hat tip to Chris Collins, Chase Audige, Boo Booey. That team is fun, and I think what I enjoyed the most about this is that this was a win to pretty much solidify themselves in the tournament. They, I don't want them to falter, but I think it would take a pretty precipitous fall for the Wildcats to not be in the tournament since the first time since 2017, and only the second time only. I didn't know that. I thought they had been before 2017, but apparently not. But this team was a lot of fun. They they were great. They were great against Purdue. Zach Eady got his, and I think that's actually the most impressive because I think a lot of folks are zeroing in on trying to get Zach Eady in foul trouble, and that's how you can then make your move and beat Purdue. Zach Eady was a great force, again, as he has been all year, but they ended up losing because of the balanced effort from the two head honchos in, in Chase Audige and also Boo Booey. So Chris Collins has done an awesome, awesome job. It's almost like he's done two rebuilds. He did a rebuilding job in 2017 of a terrible team. They started to regress after that, and now he has them on the cusp of getting back to the NCAA tournament. And my last point that I'm, I'm going to make before I kick it to you, Taylor, is I already know there are going to be some weirdos, probably Purdue – Hardo fans that are going to take exception with how Northwestern celebrated and how Chris Collins kid was crying a lot of alliteration there and, and, and the, the reaction to knocking off the then number one seated Purdue Boilermakers. This is a monumental win. Let these kids and this team enjoy it. However the hell they want. And all eyes were on them. This wasn't lost in some Saturday, huge slate. This was right before the Super Bowl where I'm sure folks were watching, although it was on Big Ten Network. Kind of wish it was on like Fox or FS1 maybe. Fox had Super Bowl stuff. But let let these guys enjoy it and and go crazy. Taylor, uh, thoughts on Purdue falling to Northwestern? I'm actually going to give you shit first and not remembering how big of a deal it was that Northwestern made the tournament uh, in 2017. For the first time ever? I yeah, mean, it was no, a big was a, deal. I didn't know it was yeah. an everything, though. Yeah, it was a yeah, it was a huge deal. And then uh, they won. Um, they beat Vanderbilt, and then took Gonzaga like to the wire. And that, that Gonzaga team, that Gonzaga team, went to the finals. Um, Bryant McIntosh was the was the uh, kind of the point guard on that team. <laughs> household name, as we great all remember. name drop. <laughs> household name. Thank God. Uh, for having Wikipedia pulled up so I could remember who that dude was. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's just kind of like we, we said earlier, doesn't necessarily worry me about Purdue. It was definitely a line that, you know, Purdue was only a five point favorite and was one I looked at it. I'm like, well, why wouldn't, why wouldn't number one Purdue be able to, you know, to, to run this team over and take a, you know, take advantage of the size that Zach Eady has. You talk about Northwestern making the tournament, um, they could solidify. If it's not solidified, they can solidify it tomorrow night against Indiana at home. Talk about the way to stamp your ticket is beat Purdue in, in Indiana back-to-back games at home. Then, yes, you're definitely in at that point. The funny part is, and we, you know, you talk about the cusp of being in the tournament, they're in second place in the Big Ten. And they're kind of the only team that could catch 
Purdue if Purdue somehow faltered down the stretch because they have they have a tiebreakers, you know. Uh, well, if they beat that. if they beat Indiana, yeah, yeah, that's well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. That, right, that I'm game saying. is going to determine who can catch Purdue. Right, I'm just saying that that's just kind of that that shows you either a how much Purdue is ahead of the Big Ten or however you want to phrase the parody that everyone likes to say is that they're the best conference and then they just eat each other up. They're not the best conference this year, but you know, like it, we, we get to hear this every year. It's like sec football, right? Where it's like, Oh yeah, it's just, we just beat each other up and that's why we're better than everybody else, you know? But um, yeah, if, if they win on uh, uh, tomorrow night, they're the, they're the only team that can catch Purdue and that no, who would have predicted that coming into the year that they would be, you know, above 500 in conference that they would stamp their ticket on that. And then, um, yeah, they'd stamp their ticket to the tournament as well. And they build, are they building a statue of Chris Collins? If he makes the tournament twice, they might have to alongside that statue is the crying kid from Northwestern with the braces. I think we all remember him. And then was the, the flautist was the, the flautist who was crying. Was she Northwestern as well? I actually think she was Purdue. Oh my God. Hold on. Let me look this up. Please look that up. Please look that up because we, I mean, well, after that game, we need to find both of them. If she was Purdue, maybe she's took it hard as well. But yeah, I mean, Chris Collins has done an awesome job uh, with, with it was a a Villanova pickle. Oh, it was Nova. Nova. All right. And and it was the piccolo, but you know, we'll get, we'll give you that. We'll give you that. My bad. My bad. Wildcat. Flout, uh, flute versus piccolo. Thank you. You know what? We we need to, for the sake of accuracy, I'm glad you looked that up. Uh, also, this just in, Texas goes down, right? Texas officially lost to Texas Tech. We'll see what that does to their rankings. But Texas Tech, what a weird, I think they only have three wins in the Big 12. Two of them, Iowa State and Texas. That's pretty hilarious. And in like the last three weeks or two weeks. Yeah. 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 Hottest team. One of the hottest team in the country right now. Yeah, we'll see what they do in the Big 12 tournament. I don't know. We'll see the, the accountant, Mark Adams. All right, Taylor, let's head out west. UCLA basically wrapped up the Pac-12 regular season title, which I'm not going to lie. I'm a little bummed about. I did pick them to win the conference title, the regular season conference title. I personally value it a little bit more because then let's say the, the tournament and the conference tournament, I should say. And I, I say that because I think it's a better reflection of your body of work over the course of, of the season. Now, of course, Vegas Pac-12 Conference Tournament is going to be a blast, and obviously we're going to want Arizona to win it. But with Arizona losing to Stanford and then UCLA picking up a great win against Oregon, who we're way too damn lenient on how we're describing bubble teams Folks talking about Michigan and Oregon coming into Saturday as bubble teams. It's it's enough. They have double-digit losses, and it's Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day, by the way. But, like, what the hell are we doing here? These guys phrase it better. Say they have a ton of work to do because that's the cold reality. Right now, they are not sniffing any bubble. They're not in. They need to win the Pac-12 tournament is how they get in, and, and the Big Ten tournament. That's how Michigan and Oregon – get into the dance, but UCLA with an awesome win. And like I said, just wrapped up the, the regular season conference tournament in my estimation, Taylor, uh, is there an outside shot that Arizona shoot or who's, who's in third Utah, still? Utah, Utah. And anyone, yes, any one of those and, can catch. And yes, there is because um, 
Utah plays Arizona this week, which is obviously a huge game for them. Arizona and UCLA still have to play each other. So it's not it's not wrapped up in my mind. And UCLA still has to play Utah at Utah. So, you know, Arizona's one and a half games back. Uh, Utah's two and a half games back. So I'm not willing to say that UCLA has wrapped it up. Um, Tiger Campbell, I know I'm not trying. I know that it's an old hat that I have harped on him but he actually has not played very well the last three games uh he shot like 20 percent from the field i don't i don't even think he made a bucket one of his last three games um single digits uh scoring um now they have won those games don't get me wrong i understand that um jaime Hawkins had a great game uh there this last weekend uh but no i would say um i would give it until maybe next week to 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 anoint them because if they get through that Utah game at Utah, if it wasn't at Utah, I maybe wouldn't be so uh, not, I'm not pushing back, but you know, I wouldn't be maybe against this, but they still have to go at Utah. Utah has obviously surprised a lot of people this year with their, uh, with their performances, especially at home. And um, you know, they got Arizona at home uh, earlier in the year, which kind of kicked off their season really in a lot of ways. Um, and so they still got you, they still got to play Utah at Utah. You know, if they come into the last game of the year, Against Arizona, the other key is that if Arizona wins that game, they will have the tiebreaker because they'll have won both games against UCLA. So uh, I'm I'm definitely not exactly on board of them having wrapped it up. Uh, I yet. I appreciate the pushback for sure. I just personally think that they're going to beat Utah on the road. Yeah, sure. sure it's not right. it's not a done deal. But yeah, that did go into my equation and how I came up with the result of it's a wrap. And also, I don't think Arizona is going to beat. UCLA and Polly, but I do think that it's going to come down to that game. Essentially. Uh, I don't know if UCLA will officially, officially have it wrapped up uh, prior to that game, but we'll see. I mean, it's, it's, it's the, the opportunity money, the money that I'm going to debate on spending to go to that game in Vegas. Uh, when that, for, Oh, I thought you meant in it, LA. No, in Vegas, like especially at that point, it could be very well too top. It could be if we get to a point where the, the title is decided, especially if Arizona does end up winning it, you're talking about a Pac-12 championship game for the one seed in the West is is, is what that would probably be for as long as the these teams don't stumble in another game down the stretch. That would be as big of a Pac-12 title game, probably as as any with that, that that there's ever been. Both teams would probably be top five. Um, you'd have the you'd have the conference player of the year this year in Azulas Tubelas, most likely versus the conference player of the year uh, and uh, in Jaime Hawkins. Well, Jaime Hawkins was conference player of the year last year, I believe. Mr. Matherin, man. Come oh, on, what, man. oh yeah, duh. It was Ben Matherin. Yeah, right. Excuse me. Sorry, there's too many lists of good players at these two schools. So that's all right. Uh, you're sunburnt. You're sunburnt. Yeah, right. No doubt. But um, but yeah, I mean, you'd have you'd have the two best players in the conference is what I'm getting at, and then you'd have the two best teams in the conference. Both would be top five, number one seed in the West, and I'd be sitting here probably going just like I was on Saturday morning before the Phoenix Open. I'd be like, ah, shit. <laughs> that that sunrise is going to peek over <laughs> like, again. Oh, right? Should I go to this? Yeah. So, um, but uh, UCLA continues to prove that they are a final four caliber team yep which they which they are um they are yeah the the two uh final four caliber caliber teams uh of the west you know out here um gonzaga just 
they're it's not just not their year for them. No, here. they're in. Uh, Gonzaga is going to be a team, Taylor, where they're going to get bounced in the round of thirty-two or sixteen, and there's going to be people who are going to try to outsmart themselves. And when that happens, we're just going to say to those folks, they showed you who they were the entire season. They've yep. just been in dogfights with terrible teams. Yep, yep. But no, UCLA is, in my estimation, uh, yeah, better than Arizona at this point. Uh, fortunately, we still have another opportunity or two to prove that. Yeah. So we'll see what the rest of the season looks like for the Bruins. Jaime Hawkes, he actually came out of a bit of a slump and just dominated the Oregon schools. Anytime you get to play against the Beavers, that's a nice little get-right game. And Hawkes got right there in, in Corvallis, traveled to Eugene, did the exact same thing. If they can get some some decent contribution from Amari Bailey. Dangerous, dangerous, dangerous Bruins team. And they're so good defensively. I think it's oh, just God. under there. We talked about how good Houston and Tennessee are defensively, but this UCLA team is probably as close from a defensive side of the ball as uh, any of like Mick Cronin's like Cincinnati teams. Uh, they just, they're kind of scrappy. You know, they're not kind of scrappy. They're very scrappy. Um, yeah. For, on that side of the ball specifically, those Cincinnati teams couldn't play offense worth a, damn but the defensive side of the ball they always had and at least that side this this reminds me a little bit of those teams especially down the stretch here where they can just say hey we're gonna lock it down and you're not gonna score ucla has some occasions though where they're ugly offensively but you're right they are a menace defensively when i was watching that oregon game and folly dante every single shot that he took looked like it was a root canal every single time will richardson came off of a ball screen it seemed like mission impossible Right. Uh, Kuznard, who kills a lot of teams, was shut down. So, yeah, UCLA's defense is is really tremendous. Taylor, a few quick hitters now, though. Why don't we move on uh, Memphis? I just want to talk real quickly about the job Penny Hardaway is doing. I think a couple seasons ago I said and I questioned if he was a good coach. Penny's done a pretty good job. And I think they're a tournament team right now. They're second in the uh, American and they just beat the hell out of South Florida, which is where you're supposed to do, and then also beat Temple at home. Uh, any thoughts on on the Tigers? I suppose I just want to issue a brief apology to Penny Hardaway because I think he's doing a pretty solid job. Totally. It's one of those teams that I think we, even though you don't write off teams, we know you don't write off teams. But a, a I'll team write that, off like Gonzaga or something. Okay. How about that? But a team that was, was written off um, a little bit. Not that they were bad. They just hadn't really... They hadn't really put it together for a long enough stretch of games. Uh, now, even though they lost to Tulane uh, a week and a half ago or so, you know they've won eight of their last ten. Uh, they have put, a, and you're right, Penny has put a pretty good coaching job together without having the Amani Bates, James Wiseman. You know that was kind of the the shtick early in the um, early in his career. There, right, is where is oh he can't coach because we're just going to roll the ball out there to the next number one pick in the draft and and let her go. Uh, this team is definitely uh, a little more cohesive than some of those previous teams. They The metrics don't love them just for not – I know that we're not all metrics people here. The metrics don't love them, but they certainly, in my mind, are a team that is going to sneak up on people uh, potentially uh, come tournament time. Yeah, it, it'll be – they just seem like they're one of those teams that – is always going to be a seven, eight, or nine seed, something along those lines in the tournament. And I think a lot of Memphis folks want to go back to those Calipari days, but I don't know if that's necessarily feasible in the short term. For now, I think you just got to take and accept 
being a tournament team, which is really good. Uh, if you can be a tournament team on an annual basis, that's really all you need. And then from there, hopefully you get hot. So we'll see how uh, Memphis goes about the rest of their season as well. Go ahead. Well, and you're complaining about bubble teams. They are a bubble team, but are you taking them or Oregon on a neutral site? I'm taking Memphis. them. I'm taking them like eight out of 10 games. Right. And yeah, they have them essentially on the same uh, to only two teams ahead of Oregon. And I think we've probably watched a little more Oregon basketball than maybe the average college basketball fan, just being, you know, Pac-12 guys. And you don't have to watch that many Oregon basketball games to be like, oh, no, this team's, this team's not good. So it's, it's Memphis is better than that. I swear we're valuing some of the decent wins more than the awful putrid losses. Who did Oregon lose to at home earlier this year that was just – Terrible. I think it was Utah Valley off the top of my head. That, I think you're, you're probably right. That dude, mm-hmm. that stench is like being sprayed by a skunk. It doesn't just go away after a day or two, right? That's going to be there for a while. All right. I'm remembering it. It's like the voters were like, yeah, Dana Altman made a final four like six years ago. They're still, they're still probably good. Let's just, we don't watch any of their games. I'm sure they're fine. Yeah, this is you know what? Let's give our love to Memphis advocating for Memphis. Taylor, another uh, few quick hitters. Did you see the UC Davis, UC Santa Barbara brawl uh, over this over this past weekend? Yes, um, I didn't see it live. Well, nobody saw it live because who's watching that shit? But um, there's two, th- <laughs> two things that stuck out to me. Um, why did the assistant? I, why did the assistant coach get get suspended? I don't know. I just want to play this this tape, though. Uh, and I actually want to first and foremost focus in on the guy in the hat. Yeah, no, that's just that's the best part of this whole thing. Let's 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 break this thing up. And then, of course, the announcers being like, "Stop it!" I mean, so we'll describe this guy for the the listeners. He is a just picture like a bro in a tank top. Uh, with a what do you, what do you call those hats? Is that, that even a bucket hat? It's no, it's a like a cowboy hat. hat. No, it's a it's a big like wicker hat or what? I can't even a straw think, like, a sun, hat. A, yeah, a straw hat, a sun hat. Yeah, and he's just jumping up and down like like the hype man of a of a UFC fight or something or a WWE fight. It's it, I don't even know why he was there, but like the juxtaposition of him like broing out with with 85 year old people sitting in the front row as uh, two guys are brawling. Yeah. One of the best videos uh, of the year, but I still don't know. Maybe I just missed it, but I don't know why the assistant coach got suspended or ejected. I have I, no clue. Cause I know the head coach ran over there, but then the assistant coach got ejected and suspended. I, I, yeah, I'd have to look into it more if I cared about us UCSB, uh, known as known as UCSTD by some, also the only college in the country with its own private beach. Uh, so why are you so mad? Why are you so mad if you are the only <laughs> college campus in the country with its own private beach? Pepperdine doesn't have its own private beach. Now they're on the other side of the road. Ah, uh, I see. All right. Well, I just wanted to get your your thoughts on that. the The fan was probably my favorite, and then of course we got we got the announcers trying to make peace by saying, "Stop it! Stop! What the hell are you going to do, man? The it's been popped off, right? the The champagne bottle cork it's off and and it's through the window. You can't can't really put that back in right now. Although I suppose I appreciate the effort. 
And somehow, this is how you segue, somehow that wasn't even the funniest interaction of a player and and someone not associated with the actual basketball program uh, of the weekend. And what was that, Sue? No, you take it away because that was a brilliant segue. Do it. Take it uh, away. The, the cheerleader, <laughs> the cheerleader for Mississippi Valley State and oh, Alabama A yeah. and M, got <laughs> was the was easily one of the funniest videos I've ever seen. Um, the <laughs> the announcer like it wasn't even on purpose how how she initially got hit. She just walked up to him in the middle of the court and like turned him around and started like poking his chest. <laughs> This the broadcasters are, are the funniest of this whole thing. Someone in the background is yelling security, security, like uh Ralphie May yells security, if you remember him from back in the day. And then the <laughs> the announcers are going, the Alabama AM coach, he's fussing and cussing. And it like as the cheerleaders getting kicked out of the game, it it's an incredible video. Uh yeah, yeah. It, one of my got to be top five favorite videos I've seen. Cause I mean, it's just absurd. The cheerleader just walks onto the court, just at, at, at random and just starts like poking the guy in the chest. I, I look, I'll give her credit for at least waiting for a stoppage in play. How funny would it be if she would just came on during the court, uh, during action, I don't know, and just deed him up or like tripped him or something like that. It wouldn't actually be funny. That's dangerous. But this all started because that player, that Alabama A&M player, I think maybe lost his balance or something after taking a shot and, and accidentally grazed her. And just a few possessions later, she gets that stoppage in play and thought it was something that he did intentionally with, with malice in his heart. And I'll tell you what, this cheerleader, I'm telling you, can play for me any day of the week, twice on Sundays. You look in the film room and you already know, you already know the head coach on any sort of defensive breakdown for Mississippi Valley State. It's probably going to be like, we got more resistance from this cheerleader. But that was that was something to behold. The security guard who is also like 97 years old who like waddles over there too to like kick her out of the game is is hilarious the interaction with them too she's like you know she's like no you should kick him out of the game like what are we like what are you doing this this obviously isn't your first basketball game you're on the squad so you've been to a basketball game before i think you should know the cadence of like who's going to get kicked out in this situation Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And we can laugh about it because no one's been seriously hurt in that UC Davis UCSB fight. No one was ser seriously hurt in the Mississippi Valley State, Alabama A&M. And just saying it out loud, that security guard is probably like, why is why am I being called into action during this d damn game? Can we please just not do this? Um, well, in Missouri, in Mississippi Valley State or whatever is is like the worst team in college basketball, too. They're like four and 25 or something this year. So the fact really that angry, she was fed up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, yeah, you, you're exactly right for her to still have that fight. while they are almost the literal worst team in all of college basketball. You got to You got to respect some of that. I do hat tip to her. All right, Taylor. Like I said, we can laugh about those. This is, I, I feel like we're bookending it on serious stuff, but this is inexcusable. And uh, the, the reports that are coming out are truly shocking. New Mexico State, what an awful year for the Aggies. And I'm talking about all this stuff off the court. Of course, there is an investigation going on with a potential murder. And, well, it's not potential. It, it is a murder. But 
now there's indications of hazing going on so bad to the extent that they had to cancel the rest of the season. Taylor, do you have any thoughts on this? Well, their coach, who I can't remember their name, uh, certainly isn't going to have a job for the rest of his life in this sport. Because how you let a team, well, I shouldn't say let, because I don't know all the inner workings of this, but how you have a team that, uh, you know, gets to this degree. And the part, of, the worst part about the murder part, well, other than the murder part, right, is that like there was alleged cover ups inside the program that people knew more than they did. And then now you have a hazing incident going on where so yeah such to the degree that you shut the program down and we're not talking like the like a school we just talked about like an mv mvsu or whatever a team that that kind of nobody has heard of new mexico state's like 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 they, a decent basketball program they you know? beat uconn last year in the tournament yeah. the bular brothers are certainly not thrilled with this. I can tell you that, but yeah, I mean, we're talking about a team that we were actively rooting for in the tournament, not so long ago. And the fact that it's come down to this, the the basement, the literal basement of college athletics now, where you might not even be able, you can't even feel the program at this point is, is really, you're, you're right. It's, it's shocking. And it is uh, pretty sad all the way around that, you know, obviously, you know, someone had had to be killed before, you know, things took place. And then on top of that, how the program even went on to that. And somehow, I don't want to say this is worse by any means, but somehow that wasn't even the low point of their actual season is, is ridiculous. Yeah. It seems as if the second Chris Jans took off for Mississippi state, everything just went to hell in Las Cruces. It's so it's, it's very appalling and troubling. Only other point, two points that I want to make one, this is going to cripple them in terms of recruiting and fielding a competitive team in the next coming years. We could always rely on them coming out of the whack for the most part and placing their name, hearing their name on Selection Sunday as like a 13 or 14 seed. That's going to be done for a while. Now, I, I think New Mexico State is going to fade into obscurity because I just don't think players want to be a part of that. Also, hazing and bullying for me is obviously wrong, but... I find it so difficult to get behind someone who's hazing or bullying because it's like, dude, do you know how much effort that takes? Do you know how much you have to try and go out of your way to make another person's life a living hell? Also, I'm so tired. The the hazing stuff is so stupid and played out. It's dumb just because this kid's a freshman. Like, I get picking up food orders or singing in front of in in front of a team meeting, but. I mean, if it's hazing to the point where you have to cancel the season, stop defending this nonsense. Yeah, there's goofy, like embarrassing type of stuff. Yeah, sing karaoke in front of everybody. Yeah, whatever. This is not middle school. This is high level D1 basketball. Like you're you just threw not that necessarily any of these guys were going to the NBA, but like you just threw all of that away. We're not yeah, we're not talking about like some community college in the middle of nowhere. Not that it's good there either, but you, you kind of just threw all of your NBA aspirations away because of this. And that's about the dumbest thing you probably could do. Yeah. Or just professional aspirations. Oh, yeah, sure. Sure. Continuing your career in, in the sport in, in any manner. Yeah. So let's hope they get that cleaned up there. All right, Taylor, let's now go ahead, get to our bets, but first want to provide you a message 
from Seek. Hey everyone, it's Ryan from No Credentials Required to talk to you about one of our newest partners at Belly Up Sports, SeatGeek. Yeah, live sports is great on television, but the feeling of being at the arena is a priceless experience. That's why our friends at SeatGeek are there to help you find the best tickets at the best prices. Not only can you get tickets to sporting events, we can also get tickets to concerts, comedy shows, musicals, and more. Search for your desired event now at SeatGeek.com, enter promo code BellyUpSports at checkout, and you save 20 bucks off your first purchase. SeatGeek. Life's an event. We have the tickets. All right, Taylor, time to get in my belly. Right now, you were sitting at 12 and 17. We took the last week off. I know. Let's let's march towards 500, damn it. You're actually like an Oregon or a, a Michigan. Obviously, you have a worse record technically, but betting is a lot more difficult, in my opinion, uh, than winning college basketball games, right? So how do we improve upon this, T? Well, you know, I, I usually go for a lot of obscure more you know, kind of off the off the beaten path games. This week, we're going to go to a little more uh, notable uh, games that people know. We're going to start with uh, friends of the program, question mark, Providence there at the AMP, as they uh, as they call it now. Uh, they're taking on Creighton. Uh, they're underdogs at home. Kind of a, you know, a decent, do we want to call this a rival? It's not a rivalry. But there's some history between these teams. I mean, obviously, they're in conference play. Um, I think Creighton has actually won a significant number in the, of the last 10, like eight of the last 10, I would like to say. But this Providence team is just sticking – they've stuck around. Uh, they're definitely uh, a team that's going to upset uh, – not even upset, really, uh, anyone in the tournament. You know, they're going to be a, a, a top seed in the tournament uh, or a top half seed in the tournament. But anyway, they are – underdogs at home so i'm going to run with providence i'm sure it's going to be lit up or amped at the amp there uh so we're going providence first plus two over the creighton blue jays number two this is a line that i'm sure if the shark was still around he'd be like oh something something's up with this st john's heading on the road to depaul to your neck of the woods depaul sucks right and let me let's just say it out loud depaul sucks St. John's only a one-point favorite. Really makes you think, hmm, why? And I'm getting sucked into that trap right now, and I'm going to roll with St. John's, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with getting sucked into that trap. So we're going St. John's on the road by one. Uh, And then finally, Kansas headed on the road to Okie State. Um, You know, Kansas obviously a team that is top 10, they have every opportunity to win another title this year, and they are just one-point favorites on the road right now as this program uh, is being recorded at Oklahoma State. So some coin flip games. I'm not saying that you should do this. I am probably going to do this. I'm probably just going to parlay all these teams' money line of who I want to win because they're all kind of coin flip type of games. So we're going to focus in a little more on some games that are uh, with some meaning here this week See or this episode, see if we can't get back on track. So that's Kansas, St. John's, and Providence. Gallagher Iba is going to be turned for yeah. that one. Yeah. And I feel like there's one game every single year that I'm assuming this is going to be on ESPN or something, probably get Freshella calling it because he's just a big 12 guy. But I feel like we get that once every year where we go to Gallagher, Gallagher Iba. I think there's that high camera angle, the seats. It is going to be a zoo in there. You know what? Mike Boynton has done a really nice job with the Cowboys this year uh, as well. So 
it's very clear in the Big 12, West Virginia and Texas Tech are the absolute worst. Oklahoma and, and Oklahoma, excuse me, they're in that awful pile. Well, Oklahoma State and, climbing a bit. Well, and you know why I want to pick them. It's something we've talked about on for years on this podcast, right? It just happened tonight as we were program as we were uh, recording this. Kansas is technically in like third place in the conference, right? And what happens every year in the Big Twelve, except for Baylor, finally, like two years. I ago, trust right? Baylor. Yeah, it was like, oh, let's just let Kansas win it again. You know, Texas already lost. I just don't. It's that time of year where Kansas is like, yeah, okay, here we go. I just don't see Kansas losing, you know, five times in the in in conference and, and they already have four losses it's just tough for me to see uh you know i i guess they still have a game against baylor and tcu left as yes. well so so that's saying let's say if they don't win one of those okay then i can't see kansas losing six times in conference right so it's just that time of year where kansas is like okay we're going to take over the reins and go control our own destiny here yeah monster matchup against the bears uh, this upcoming weekend looking forward to that all right taylor let's go ahead get on out of here with some good things i'm going to pass you the rock again so we are going to uh start or end this in a positive manner where i started in the positive manner on this and that's with golf we're going to go to auburn where craig noise student at auburn sank a 94 foot putt to win a car great celebration great video the announcer was just made kind of made the whole video he was fired up and so yeah pretty cool for a college kid uh, to be able to win a car uh you could tell this dude was a golfer when he, when he uh when he took the putter back he's like okay wait a second this guy might actually you know he's not just slapping at it like a uh, uh, mini golf style right so uh shout out to him for uh making a 94 foot putt to win a car hopefully they don't make him pay the taxes on that uh on the on that windfall there Man, that's how you intertwine all of this and and tie it back. Well done, Taylor. And you know what? I'm glad he won a car. I feel like we've been seeing from professional organizations these cheap, cheap gifts for hitting a half-court shot uh, in basketball or, or this putt. Like, here, here's 500 bucks. Are you kidding me? $500? Good for the young man. He got himself a car. My good thing, L. Ellis. He became the first Cardinal, Louisville Cardinal, to record 33 points and five assists in a game in 43 years. That's kind of crazy to think. 33 and five game, 40 in 43 years. Last time that happened was Daryl Griffith in 1980 during the Final Four. The reason this is a good thing is because L. Ellis has been a very lone bright spot in an otherwise disgusting year in Louisville. They got nothing going right for them. It's been an awful, awful season for the Cardinals. But L. Ellis, I really want to tip my cap to him. In an era where kids want to transfer, and that's okay. I want to make that abundantly clear. If a situation is not right for you, if you don't enjoy the losing, if you want to change something, go change it. They have the autonomy. I'm proud of players that have that choice. But I also want to hat tip a guy like L. Ellis who is saying to himself, I'm a Louisville Cardinal. I'm going to give this my best effort, and he does every single night. Like I said, he can't beat a team one-on-five, but he has been a lone bright spot for the Cardinals, and I just want to really acknowledge his demeanor and attitude in a season where it'd be so easy for him to just say, screw this, I'm out. L. Ellis, uh, well done. Yeah, big shout-out to him. Um, 
I guess this is a good thing, but somehow there's still 13,000 plus people showing up to the Yum Center to watch basketball games for some reason. So I love their I, Cardinals, man. I guess shout out to maybe L. Ellis for keeping L. Ellis is probably the reason that that many people keep coming to Cardinals games. So good for him. Yeah, I'd, I'd go to, to watch him play and, and at least express my gratitude for sticking with this otherwise awful, awful situation. So L. Ellis, that is my good thing. Taylor, let's go ahead. Get on out of here. Great episode. Good to have you back. We will catch you next time on Thursday. Enjoy the hoops ahead.